0: Welcome to The Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast for adults. You are listening to a weekly publication, produced every Friday morning. The Kinky Cast is heard in over 150 countries. This is our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Today, we present episode 261, our 5th anniversary show. Don't forget to stop by our webpage for information about this show and others. KinkyCast.com. Here's your hosts, Woody and the Beast.
1: Thanks, Max, and welcome to this five-year edition of The Kinky Cast. It all started five years ago today, when The Beast and I sat down and came up with the idea that we wanted to share our rich past for the last 25-plus years with listeners all around the world. And maybe we could make a difference in the kinky world. So sit back, and we're going to... Pull the five top shows on the KinkyCast in the last 250 plus episodes and hear some pretty incredible stories and then link to those original shows so that you can listen to them. There's a sixth show, however, that does not feature one particular guest. It is an episode that is near and dear to our heart called BDSM Nightmares. It's episode 201 and many of you have heard it. If you haven't, please take time to go and click on the link so that you can listen to this important show. It's about what can go wrong when things are not properly prepared, negotiation doesn't happen, things are taken for granted, trust is given where it shouldn't be, and negotiations fail. This is a really important episode. It is one of the top episodes on the Kinky Cast of all time. And so without any further ado, let's get to our first guest. On the line with us is Venus Queen. How are you today?
2: Hi, I'm great. Thank you.
1: Well, thanks for joining us. And uh, the top show on the Kinky Cast in five years, that's a pretty good deal.
2: Yeah, that's really exciting. I'm so happy to hear about that.
1: Our audience uh, seemed to like what you were talking about and uh, listened and drove, so it's a wonderful thing. The subject was uh, looking for a cuckold relationship. In the show, which uh, is in the link, uh, we talk about uh, what cuckold relationship is and that sort of thing. Uh, The big question I have is, since the show was looking for a cuckold relationship, have you found one?
2: Uh I briefly dated someone for a few months, and that didn't really work out, although we're still great friends. Um, So the search continues at this point.
1: Why do you suppose that a cuckold relationship is that hard to find?
2: Uh, For me, there's been some obstacles, mainly distance. Uh, It seems like everyone who I am interested in is really far away. And then there's just things like connection and attraction and things like that that get in the way as well. So it seems like there's several boxes that need to get checked off. And I haven't found someone that's able to check off all the boxes yet. So the search goes on.
1: You take a standard relationship that people would think about. Then you have to add uh, the multiple partner aspect to it. Uh, you have to add uh, yeah. degradation to it and all those things. And I could imagine that would be a little hard to fill. It is.
2: I mean, dating is hard enough as it is. It's difficult just to find someone who you have chemistry with, but to also find somebody who you match with on this cuckolding spectrum is, is pretty difficult. So I don't know. I'm just sort of taking my time trying to find the right person because this is someone ultimately who I want to spend the rest of my life with. So I I just want to make sure that this is somebody who is the right fit for me.
1: Just to remind us a cuckold, is a submissive partner. Is that correct?
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: In your name, it's Venus Queen. So you are the queen of the the shop here.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I do like aspects of female-led relationship. Um, And each relationship that I've been in has been slightly different when it comes to that, but that's the main theme anyway. But I think that the most important part of it is not just that, but the actual connection that you share with somebody that you really care about them and you love them.
1: Well, that's a really important thing and that they love you and they then give you the freedom to do what you need to do.
2: Yes. That's important to me. I like to do whatever I want.
1: <laughs> that's difficult for a lot of uh, traditional relationships. They don't see it that way.
2: Yeah, it's definitely um, different. That's for sure. I mean, for me, I don't, I don't see it as something weird or strange, but I re- I do realize that this is, far from the normal societal kind of relationship that's expected. So, yeah, it's it's a bit it's a difficult to find guys who subscribe to that or sign up for that or are interested in it or are wired hard, hardwired in that way um, because it's so different from what society is, expects from men in a relationship.
1: It's interesting when you talk about hardwired for it and people really are you either are or you aren't and to make one is very very difficult.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't see how that would work if, if you're if you're not sort of just programmed to be that way or to think that way, be turned on by those things. Um, The cats who I've been in relationships with have been, I mean, it, this is just part of who they are. It's just the way that their mind works. It's the way that their body reacts. And it's. I, I can't imagine trying to sort of like convert some vanilla guy to be this way because I don't see it as working out that well in the long run.
1: I really believe you're right, because it's a test. The first time you really, you bring a bull in and, you know, you're having a cuck sit and watch, uh, that is really the test of the relationship right there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, either it's going to go really great or it's going to be disastrous. So. If it's something that he's always wanted for as long as he can remember and that this is something that turns him on more than anything and that you are, you know, really care for each other in that moment, it's going to be magical. It's going to be incredible. But if he's not quite sure about it or he's not, you know, fully signed up for this role, then I think that that could be a really difficult and challenging situation for him and cause problems in the relationship.
1: In the poly world, we use the word compersion and, Mm -hmm. you know, truly being happy for your partner, getting what they want. And that is still hard to find in in many relationships.
2: Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. That's a big part of it for me. I mean, I want someone who is going to be turned on and happy and joyful and and just ecstatic about the experiences that I'm having, but I also feed off of him and that like, when he is having that reaction to what I'm doing, this is what, this is what I crave. That's what I need is that reaction from him. So it's very much like a loop that's going on there. And maybe people don't really realize that. They think it's all about me and my sexual experience, but it's actually this dynamic that's going on between me and my cuck that's so amazing that makes it, that's the most important part.
1: It really is. And anybody that has been in this type of relationship knows to see the glimmer in their eye when you're getting exactly what you want. That is when the magic happens.
2: Oh, yes. (laughs) And I feel like... Once you've uh, experienced this in this kind of relationship, that kind of euphoria that you have, that sort of, uh, for me, honestly, it's like a natural high. I feel like amazing and incredible for the next several days. That's all. I just feel like I'm on cloud nine. I feel like once you've experienced that in this kind of relationship, it is so difficult, if not impossible, to go back to just a regular vanilla kind of relationship. So although I'm happy that I found this kind of relationship dynamic that makes me feel fulfilled and happy. And that's what I really want in my life. It's also a bit of a curse and that like it's just so difficult to find once you've loved and lost. And it makes it so difficult. But I am glad that I found it. I am glad.
1: You say loved and lost. Your previous partner passed away?
2: Yeah, it, it, about two years ago. That was a really difficult time for me. And I did take a a break from it all after that. It took me a long time to get over that. Um, And I don't think I ever fully will. But that was, yeah, that was really difficult for me.
1: Yeah, when you build something that was, you know, a perfect lifestyle and then suddenly things change, that is a hard thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, we had plans to spend the rest of our life together. So that was, I mean, pretty devastating. It happened fairly quickly. You just got really sick and, um, yeah, it happened really fast. But it's it was pretty shocking to go through
1: something like that. I certainly hope you find someone that rings all your bells in the near future. And I want to thank you for being on the show. It was a, a, a great moment in our history and uh, going into our sixth year We want to have you back and hear from you again to see how things are going.
2: Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled and so happy to be a part of it. Thank you. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. On the line, I have D20 Dom. How are you? I am wonderful. You are one of the five top shows that we have in the last five years. I wanted to kind of check back in and see what you're up to. The show that you did that was such a big hit was Revisiting BDSM 101. You know, that's kind of odd that 101 is so popular, but we have a lot of new people, and so we do have to keep revisiting it.
3: Absolutely. I just want to say thanks. I'm so grateful to be in the top five of the podcasts that people are listening to, and I know, especially with your podcast, it's very hard to do that. You always interview such good people. I'm happy that people are coming looking for BDSM 101. I think that's a good indicator that people are trying to do some research before they jump into the deep end that is kink. I'm just happy that people are using the information, hopefully, and that it's been helpful.
1: So what have you been up to other than revisiting 101?
3: I've been doing a few other podcasts. I have been moving around the country a little bit, presenting at different events and for different people like Fast and Test and Dark Odyssey and things like that. So I've been pretty busy on my kinky schedule. And I've got a few things scheduled for upcoming year 2019 that I'm pretty excited about as well.
1: We will be seeing you at some of those events you mentioned?
3: I will be at some events. We're holding a tea party, a high protocol formal tea party this month. And in April, I will be in Kink Fest in Portland. Um, So if you're not going, check it out. And I will
1: also be doing some things during the summer. So, you say Portland, Portland, Oregon?
3: Yeah, Portland, Oregon.
1: So, you are bi coastal now.
3: I am bi coastal. I'm technically international. I'm just getting out there trying to convert everyone (laughs) I can. And, like I said earlier, spread the gospel that is king.
1: That is such a good thing. And you have such a great following
3: talking a lot just what I normally do just talking a lot and um being bitchy to boys that seems to always be working so um if it's not broke then don't fix it and um this seems to be working well for me and I get to meet a lot of really awesome people a lot of people who it's their first event first scene first club first anything to the people who have been coming for years and years so I've been very fortunate to meet an array of of kinksters in the and since last time we've talked actually
1: So the episode that we recorded with you was number 143. To tantalize our listeners a little bit, give us a a quick background about yourself. How long you've been in the scene?
3: I don't like doing this kind of math. Um, I think that I've been in the scene for 14 years now. Um, I entered as a dom. I tested the waters with submission and realized it really wasn't for me and kind of went from there. Um, Now I am... I have a permanent um, kinky partner, which is my sissy husband, and um, I know, I think before when we talked, there was distance between us, and um, he's from overseas, so now we are officially together, and he is being trained as my sissy husband, and um, retraining in his submissive skills as well.
1: Is this one-on-one play, or do you bring others into play with him, or how's that work?
3: It actually depends on what we're doing. Usually, for our anniversary, we try to do a big scene that involves other people, and that's why we love summer camp so much, is because it's around our anniversary, so we're able to figure out scenes to do there. Um, usually, it's one-on-one play, but we have friends who we're comfortable playing with who enter our play as well. Um, but pretty much any outside people who are playing with us need to be approved and vetted by me. He doesn't get to suggest anyone he wants to play with. He doesn't get to say no to anyone I have said I want to play with him. Um, so that's the beauty of being in charge.
1: You certainly run a tight ship and always have. Uh, you've been on the show twice, and we, we get a tremendous respect for you. Uh, users have written in saying that uh, – you, you are one of the younger people that we've had on the show, and uh, you came about your dominance at an early age.
3: I did. I was very lucky to sort of stumble into it. I was writing a paper on alternative lifestyles, found out about BDSM, went to a club, and sort of felt like, okay, this is actually really interesting to me and might be something that is a part of me that I've been not recognizing because in my day-to-day life, yes, I am a huge bitch, um, but it's just being a bitch when you're doing it in a vanilla way. But when you have a partner, or you have someone who's into that, then you can be a dominant and it works that way. And so I try to tell people just because you're a bitchy or just because you're kind of an ass doesn't make you a dom. I think that whether you're a dom or a sub, it's kind of an art and it's like each painter, you need to figure out what your canvas is going to look like, what your unique style or brand is going to be.
1: The one thing, no matter how cruel it may seem for others watching you with your partner, he is your property and you have to protect your property.
3: Yeah, we always say that, um, that I'm there to hurt him, not harm him. And there's a really big difference for us because everything that we do and anyone that I play with, it may look like I am harming them, but I'm hurting them. Because that is what we have consented to do. Um, we do get people who come up to us after scenes and say things like, oh, my God, like, you guys are crazy. Or how did you take that? Or why are you doing that um, to him? And it's it's one of those things where it is hard to explain why someone wants to be wrapped up in um you know, saran wrap and blindfolded and hooded and gagged and then put inside of a coffin and tortured for half an hour. It's hard to explain that if you're not really into that. Um, and all I can say is what I always say, which is there is a kink for everyone. If you think you're into something, I guarantee you there are probably 10 more people into it as well.
1: Very true statement you say there. And it's always interesting when other people judge your kink. And um, you know, they got to walk in your shoes for a while before they really understand what you're doing.
3: I'm a very big fan of your kink is not my kink, but your kink is okay because there are lots of times I'm in the club or I'm at an event where I see a kink or a fetish that I don't particularly enjoy viewing, partaking in receiving or giving. But for me, it is one of those things where this is the safe space to do that. And so it's not my place to say, like, what the hell are you doing or gross or that doesn't appeal to me. All I can do is either walk away or sometimes I try to stay and see if there's something I can learn or something I'm missing about this kink that I've made up my mind about. And uh, that's the beauty of it is that if there is something you're uncomfortable with, if there is something you don't know. Most people who are engaging in it, once they're done, once they're free from the scene and they've done the aftercare, i more than happy to explain to you their stance on it. Um, and I think... At least for us, we we're very receptive to people coming up and talking to us at the club after we've had a scene or after a class. We're very happy to answer any questions that we can because my main thing is it will look weird, but only the first time. After you've seen it once, <laughs> you're kind of like, all right, that's, that's their thing. That's what they're doing. And so I just want people to know, like, there is no kink. That's too weird. There is no fetish. That's too strange. Like, there is something for everyone and it doesn't make you weird and there's nothing wrong with what you're doing.
1: Don't judge other people's kink and be supportive of kinksters.
3: Exactly. If we're going to, if we're going to be okay with one kink, we're going to try and be okay with all kinks because like I said, there's a kink for everyone. So if there's someone who likes doing something, there's probably someone who likes receiving it.
1: There is indeed. And I want to thank you so much for being on the show before and tonight because this is our gala show and we're going to, um, hear from other people and the, uh, again we want to thank you so much for being a friend to the cast and being on the show a couple times and we will be looking to hear from you more in 2019
3: thank you so much buddy always enjoy being on this show thank you so much for having me
4: listeners we're coming to you from the pacific northwest with the ever lovely abigail dupree hi abby hi Business must be wonderful for you out there. You've got uh, this website I see everywhere now.
5: Well, that's good.
4: What's that website called? Tell our listeners.
5: Our website is called sensualpain.com.
4: And you're the principal performer as of right now, but if you had, have had other models in.
5: We like to showcase as much real-life DS-type relationships and situations we have started branching out and hiring other models to come and perform for our site as well, so that's been good.
4: Real DS, you and your master do that, practice that thing.
5: We do, 24-7 uh, is how we live.
4: Do you ever want a day off? <laughs>
5: you know, I can't say as though I would.
4: You've become quite the addict in your five years in the business now.
5: I, yeah, I'm hooked. <laughs> I'm hooked, so to speak.
4: You were in the culinary industry before you found kink, weren't you?
5: I was for about fifteen years. I did the whole chefing thing, and it's a, it's a huge passion still, but I don't uh, do it professionally anymore.
4: Well, your master's well fed, I presume. He is.
5: <laughs> he is.
4: Have you had to put him on a diet yet?
5: Um, I wouldn't say I've had to, but he might he might tell me differently or tell you differently. <laughs> The editing of video lifestyle um, has definitely put on a couple pounds here and there, but I like it that way.
4: I have a love affair with with my kitchen.
5: Me too. I think it's one of the best love affairs you can have.
4: I almost believe that food has has outpaced a uh, kink in my life.
5: I could say that definitely at certain times in my life as well.
4: What's the future for sensual pain?
5: Well, I hope that uh, the future continues to pay the bills. <laughs> uh, but we've definitely kind of felt the effects of whatever goes on in this world, which you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on for sex workers and the porn industry and just the world in general as far as politics goes. But we've been surviving.
4: System Fausta really put hurt on some things, didn't it?
5: You know, I've heard a lot of the effects of, of that bill passing. I can't say as though it's affected me personally directly, but it's very possible at any you know, at any time.
4: Yeah, well credit card processors and so forth are getting more and more weary every day Absolutely. of running afoul of some regulation somewhere.
5: Right, and all the social media type of Instagram and even Skype, there's there's that threat looming, so to speak. But I haven't been censored or deleted off of any of my social media accounts yet
4: and that's really amazing because uh one of them which one it was that said they were going to uh not allow adult content anymore was that instagram i'm pretty sure
5: that it was tumblr
4: tumblr that's the one
5: yes and instagram has never allowed adult content of any kind or sex work promotion and it's not really a one that anyone should even though a lot of people do um advertise for their their sex work there but um you gotta be sneaky about it but yeah tumblr and then i i think i heard rumors about twitter and i know facebook put a lot of new regulations out and you know also skype they rewrote their the fine print about what what's allowed and what's not allowed
4: I am so so glad that they haven't made it uh so that educational podcasts like ours are excluded yet. me too.
5: I do have a friend who who has a a podcast that that was affected and continues to be affected by it, but I'm glad that you haven't been spotted or
4: <laughs> shut down in any way well we have our our all the podcasts are on a dead case servers that is uh it's okay with adult content so oh good. Um, good the only thing we use Skype for is calls like this to literally have conversations with our guests and right i don't think that rises to the level of, of what they're concerned with at this time right if we can hope for us for a better future in 2020
5: yes yes always better hopes
4: so let's roll back six years okay You were a chef?
5: Yes, I was.
4: And if somebody walked up to you and said, you're going to consider yourself a sex worker in the next three years,
5: I would have scoffed and laughed in their face and told them they're crazy.
4: And here you are in your happiest career yet, I dare say.
5: Absolutely. I wouldn't trade it for anything, and I don't know how I would go back to another job of any sort. (laughs)
4: Well, what a a professional chef's week is 15, 60 hours, right?
5: Oh, yeah. Sometimes feeling like more and the toll it took on my body, my physical. I mean, I was fit. I was in shape. But, man, was I aging quickly.
4: (laughs) Some people will find the irony in that uh, if they have watched some of your performances (laughs) about physical... you have become the sexual athlete.
5: I guess so. That's what people keep saying.
4: Well, how deep <laughs> can you can you go now?
5: Okay, well, if we're talking just purely length, I have gotten to
4: 36 inches. <laughs> and you're five foot what? Five foot nothing? I'm five I'm five, almost five. <laughs> almost five five.
5: Yes. I'm 5.3 quarters.
4: And that doesn't count the, uh, the, uh, masochism you do, the extreme pain stuff. Yes. Where is the mental coming from to endure? Cause some of that is over the top.
5: That's a hard question, but I feel like I was kind of born differently to, to be able to take more pain than most people are able to. And it is about, it's a mental thing definitely some days i'm not mentally capable of going to places that i might have been mentally capable of going the day before so yeah i believe that it's a lot of it is a mental practice
4: so you're much more zen now
5: you could say that for sure yeah i've it's been life transforming uh for me bdsm specifically the pain aspect of of what i do took the place of several things that were not necessarily healthy, you know, to be relying on to get through whatever emotional or psychological issues I was, you know, trying to work out. Pain therapy definitely has been a huge
4: building block for growth. Because I believe your master could teach the North Koreans a few things. (laughs) <laughs> and the South American dictators have have, have nothing on him.
5: <laughs> he sometimes argues that it's only because I, you know, I force him to do it.
4: There is some inspiration that comes from a pretty girl crying.
5: Yes, I would have to definitely agree with that, even from me.
4: Is there a big, uh, a big stunt or anything coming up that is, uh, that's really going to test you?
5: pretty much every time that we go into a shoot it's for the most part everything that he has in his little head of his is kind of a surprise to me
4: oh that makes it interesting
5: yeah and it's typically always very very challenging i don't think that i can think of one scene that we've had together for for films that i've walked away saying that was easy
4: There have been a few you probably crawled away or carried from. Oh
5: man, there's definitely, you know, the ones up there on my top 10 list of, I don't ever want to do that again.
4: What's your first one that comes to mind on the never do it again?
5: The first one that comes to mind was actually not a scene that I did with my master. It was a scene that I did for real-time bondage. And it was a 24-hour live feed. So, I had a live audience for 24 hours of, of torture. And that was in New York at the barn with PD. If people are familiar with uh, PD from Intersect, mm-hmm. that was one of the most challenging. And I actually ended up acquiring a little bit of PTSD from once the, la- the very last scene that, that I went through caused me to have a hard limit with electricity.
4: So, you have now established a limit, a real limit?
5: It's real. It's real.
4: <laughs> well, Because in the past the discussions, everything was fluid. There were limits. You knew there were limits. But where they were was still being found.
5: Yes. Yes. I didn't necessarily know my limits. And I fought really, really hard to, to not claim to have any limits until I knew exactly where those were. And I don't have many. I really don't. But yeah, that became a definite hard limit
4: for me. So, how does it feel that your profession now has, has scarred you for life?
5: <laughs> you know, I feel like even though it, it did, you know, create a very solid line in my uh, tolerance for pain, I didn't come away from it feeling scarred. I just came away from it just knowing more about myself and my limitations. Some other people found out where my limitations were mm-hmm. as well.
4: This is still a quest for discovery. Yes. And like the athlete, you're always training and pushing.
5: Yes. Yes. It's a good comparison.
4: Abigail, I want to thank you for talking with us. I know our listeners are going to appreciate a peek into what's going on. And you want to plug the website one more time?
5: Yes. Come and visit sensualpain.com, you guys. There are hundreds of videos with hundreds of free previews for you to look through. And we update the site twice a week with new content. And we really would appreciate your support.
4: All right.
1: Thank you, Abigail. Thank you so much. On the line with me is Tariq. Hey, how are you doing, man?
6: Hey, how are you doing today?
1: All right. Your show is one of the top five shows. And so we wanted to reach out and say thank you first off. And your show was about BBC cuckolding and gangbangs. Correct. Those seem to be pretty popular subjects.
6: Uh, The demand is getting bigger and bigger. It's not going nowhere, and uh, it's it's more people that are inquiring about it every day.
1: We certainly see from our uh, popularity, the shows that we have that are related to those subjects turn in some pretty big numbers. But you came out on the top. Uh, I think the people like your sexy voice.
6: Uh (laughs) Oh, well, you know what? I know it's not a very White, you know, <laughs> but uh, I just try to make it interesting, trying to really, when I'm describing it in detail, just try to put a lot of effort into it.
1: Well, you're a busy man, and we actually caught you driving, and so uh, don't drive off the road while you're thinking about this.
6: Oh, I won't. I think, I think my pants are off while I'm driving.
1: <laughs> okay, well, that's a good thing. <laughs> you're a bit of a mystery man. You've been kind of peripherally around the scene for uh, a lot of years, but you're not a real uh, BDSM guy.
6: Not really. You know, I love it. And that's the thing about it. I love it with a passion. I mean, I love every aspect of it, but conflicting schedules or other ventures going on, it's just really hard for me to get into it like I wanted.
1: If you did get into it, it would uh, kind of envelop your life, I guess.
6: Yes, yes really anything I get into, uh, I like to take it to another level. I'm an extrovert. It's almost like the old Star Trek when it came on, going to where no man has went before, you know? So it's, it's doing it in that level, taking it and pushing it, you know? Just not stopping at what's consistent and what's popular. Like I've told you, you know, once before, it's putting a brick into the King foundation so it can grow, you know, not taking a brick out. In the BBC and the cockholding, it's doing the same thing. It's taking it to another level and building it where it can just keep going on even after I'm dead and gone.
1: There are some things related to cockholding and uh, BBC, and that is queening. You've been uh, getting involved in that.
6: Yeah, definitely uh, with the queen of space. That is another chapter in my life that I'm working on, and the popularity is getting real big in that awesome.
1: How does that work? Some people, like on FetLife, they see a Queen of Spades tattoo or something like that, but what you're talking about is really kind of a different thing. This is really a, a high-level queen.
6: Oh, yes, yes. This is on the totem pole dealing with the queens on, at the very top. You know, these are, you know, as you know, in this lifestyle, you have a lot of people that come from different backgrounds from all all over, from job-wise and you name it. So the queens that I've been able to network with, some of them are in very high positions. Even in those high positions, it's a certain code that you have to go by because, of course, they would like to be out in the public, but they can't. So, you know, if you're going through uh, different steps to prove that you're worthy. I guess that's what I'm saying.
1: So it's a proving cycle that you're going through. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's different. We're hoping that you bring us a, a full episode on this at some point. I, I know that it's it's tricky to uh, get people to talk about it, but I know that you're working on it. And um, our, our listeners, I think, will be very uh, impressed by it.
6: Oh, definitely for this year uh, I don't really believe in New Year's resolutions. I believe in tackling it right then. But I have this feeling that this is going to be the year it. So it's uh, fourth round.
1: Well, that sounds uh, really interesting. One of the other things that you're into is erotic services for couples. Correct. So Correct. Well, tell us a little bit about that.
6: Well, it's a little bit of everything. It's, it's like from making uh, erotic treat for couples that say if, you know, they're having a party or something. And now I'm not a baker, you know, <laughs> but I can make some, uh, me and my counterpart, we can make some uh, liquid-flavored cupcakes, cookies, and pastries like that. But also doing, uh, I've done one recently, uh, a new bedtime story in which uh, the couple was in the bed and uh, they're in the bed foreplaying. And I'm standing in front of the big news, my cock out, and I'm reading them an erotic story. And while they listen to it, they listen to me the way I describe it. They listen to the way I jack my cock off and rub my balls and rub my nipples. The whole purpose of that, it's really foreplay. The whole thing in which I've read the story a couple of times and they will foreplay till they have an orgasm, and then they will go to sleep. But sometimes, story has led into them actually making love while reading the story. So it's giving, it's doing something very creative.
1: Well, that sounds like a really interesting uh, twist on the uh, bedtime story.
6: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do one of the three little pigs and make it, <laughs> and the big <laughs> bad wolf and make it erotic, you
1: know? Okay, <laughs> Well, my, what big teeth you have. Okay.
6: Oh, yeah. 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 I've got some things rolled out that I'm aggressively tackling now. And uh, because me and you have talked about this, and this is a beautiful lifestyle. It really is. And I just want to play my part. With the nude services I've done, like, say if somebody needs a painting hung up. So, what I will do, I will go over there. I will just have a shirt on, but a shirt where still my ass and my cock and balls will show. And I will put on my workbook and I will put on uh, my tube belt, walk around real sexy for them while I put up their painting. While they have a glass of wine, you know, they can do whatever, you know, while I put up the painting. So it's, it's just something to add, you know, some fun creativity to it.
1: Well, sounds like fun to me.
6: Two ladies I know, they were having a meeting at their house. I actually got on the dining room table, and actually what i done, I made them a good fruit drink. And what i done, I was on all fours, and I stuck my cock in the drink while they sipped uh, their meeting that they was having. They was actually talking about their job, but the meeting, you know, they had their clothes off, and They would take a couple of seconds and rub each other and masturbate with each other while they sipped a drink. So, you know, just something very, very kinky.
1: I need to work at a different place. I I like rules like that. Uh, Yeah.
6: (laughs) Be nice to see all restaurants start to do that.
1: (laughs) Tarek, I want to thank you for uh, being uh, on our cast. And I, I also want to thank you for the popularity numbers that you've turned in for our fifth anniversary show. We certainly hope to hear more from you about uh, the Queens and, and other things this year.
6: Oh, that's no problem. No, thank you.
1: We're on the line with Firechild. How are you today?
7: I'm great. How are you?
1: Fantastic. I, I'm so excited because this is our five-year show, and you were in the top five all-time on the Kinky Cast.
7: That's amazing.
1: You did a great class last year at Frolicon, and it was called Anal 101. You had a good crowd for people trying to figure out the first step into anal.
7: It was a really fun class, and I'm glad that I had as many people as I did.
1: So how did you uh, create the Anal 101 class?
7: I had been speaking with people a lot throughout my time in Kink. It just felt like a lot of information about anal was assumed, and nobody was really talking about the ins and outs of it. So there was a lot of information missing. And after one too many stories about things gone wrong, it, uh, it spurred me into wanting to write a more comprehensive class. I've always believed that there's always something new to learn. And while I was doing all of my research for that class, I did learn a lot. And I wanted it to be fun so that people could retain the information and have a good time. And that was how I ended up compiling everything. <laughs>
1: Well, you were very prepared. You had a a notebook. Everything was laid out in it. It's great to see a presenter that really has all their stuff laid out like that.
7: Yeah, I had all the information I could print off uh, just in case, and I had an outline, and I had all the toys that I could get collected together, so I'd have presentation options.
1: Well, you're a bit of a storyteller, too. Toward the end, you told some really interesting anecdotes about it.
7: Yeah, (laughs) I just I think a lot of people learn better through uh, through experiences.
1: (laughs) Saying that, I I retained it myself. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I, I sat in the class there and listened to the whole thing, and and I remember your stories, and so those parts really did stick. And anybody that is interested in anal, go listen to the episode. There's a link on the show page. Check it out. It is one of our top five most popular shows in five years. Let me ask you one final question. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite thing about anal?
7: I really like the potential of it. Uh, There are a lot of unique things to come with with that kind of play. And there's so many different kinds of sensations depending on what you're doing and what you're using it for. I don't know, just really like being able to try new things and introduce people to that.
1: (laughs) Is the feeling similar for male and female?
7: Uh, It really depends. It depends a lot on biology and sensitivity and just experience as well.
1: So Firechild, I want to thank you so much for your contribution to the cast. Anal 101 is a really important class. Anybody that's played around in kink needs to know more about anal play. Even though if you go, ooh, ooh, I don't want to do that, you really need to know the the facts about it. Mm -hmm. In the cast that you did, there is so much information. It is over an hour long it moves along pretty good. There's a lot of stuff there. Thank you for sharing the information with our listeners.
7: And well, thank you for letting me share that with a lot more people.
1: I want to thank the whole crew of the Kinky Cast for producing all these episodes for the last five years, and hope there's many more ahead. So I want to thank our listeners for bearing with us for all this time. We have recorded a lot of guests over the past five years, and this is an archive of some of them that are no longer with us. And this recorded record will live forever on the internet. Here's to another five. Good night, everybody.
0: You have been listening to episode 261 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the Kinky Cast. And we welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our kinky crew, I'm Max. Join us next week when we present, Pet Play with Rusty Pup and Tig.